You're listening to Orange County's only station with critical business information, Critical Mass, with your host, Rick Franzi. Welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. This business talk show airs live on Tuesdays at 4 p.m., heard exclusively here on Internet Radio Station, octalkradio.net. If you're listening to the show as a podcast, we encourage you to listen to the show live during our broadcast time. This show is brought to you by Succession Strategies, Commerce National Bank, and Smart Business Magazine. The goal for this show is to help you, our listening audience, make better decisions. If you're listening to the program live today, and you may want to join in our conversation with our featured guest, Brad Hall of Hall & Company CPAs, then simply find the community chat room section of octalkradio.net's website. Log on with your Twitter handle. This will bring you right to our producer. Today our producer is Paul Roberts. You'll communicate directly with Paul. Paul can bring your thoughts, ideas, and questions to my attention just here on the other side of the glass, and possibly I'll figure out how to work them into my conversation that I have planned today with Brad Hall. As I said... Brad is our featured guest, so let's bring him onto the program. Brad, welcome to Critical Mass, the radio show. Thank you for having me, Rick. It is our pleasure. Brad, let's begin by asking you to talk to us about your professional experience that sort of predates Hall & Company. Um, I uh, worked uh, started in 1977 uh, as a CPA in uh, in uh, Beverly Hills area, and we had all high net worth individuals uh, and really enjoyed working in that area in L.A. And when I moved after uh, uh, several years, moved down to Orange County and uh, uh, just loved uh, the, uh, the new growth down here. So I've, I've really enjoyed uh, being down here since uh, 1981 seen a lot of growth, especially in the real estate area. Yeah. What type of uh, CPA work, what type of uh, clients did you have? Can you share a little bit more about your professional history in L.A.? Sure. When uh, when I was in L.A., we worked, uh, you know, I had uh, quite a few actors and actresses, uh, Red Skelton, uh, uh, Jimmy Durante. Uh, uh, we just had uh, the who's who's. Uh, in uh, in uh, Beverly Hills, it was a lot of fun. To, you know, football players, baseball players, all professional, and uh, uh, a lot of old money. And then to come to Orange County, it was interesting to find that uh, it was all uh, pretty much new new businesses and and uh, new money. So let's talk about you arriving here in Orange County. Uh, um, tell us about. The inspiration for you starting your what was it that motivated you to do that? Well, I think uh, what I found, Rick, is that uh, my first uh, probably five six years in public accounting, I I, I started to see the trans transition uh, from uh, CPA. Uh, from just being a, a number cruncher to more of a, a trusted advisor. And most of the firms uh, are pretty much, well, uh, were and still are, uh, 
uh, primarily historians and don't really get involved in uh, the future forecasting and decision-making uh, to assist CEOs in, in making decisions on acquisitions and, and really getting into the, the nuts and bolts of a business. So I saw that as a, as a real uh, area of, of need with, with most CPA firms that, uh, here in Orange County. In my experience, uh, CPAs have the opportunity to be viewed by business executives as a trusted advisor. By the very nature of the type of work and service that you provide for them, you, in your profession you really get to see the inner workings, if you will, from a financial aspect of the business, which I think opens the owner up to being more vulnerable and to, to be willing to have conversations with a trusted advisor more than a general other person, the service provider that they might be working with. That, that's kind of my experience with it as well, Brad. It is, and it's, it's tough. Uh, most CEOs have very few um, you know, people that they can trust around them. Um, unfortunately, that's even the case today. Um, and unfortunately, every time uh, uh, they uh, think that they have one, um, you know, they'll get a, a large bill or something, and, and, you know, and then they, unfortunately they, they don't feel as, 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 as close to that advisor as they would otherwise. Yes. We're, we're going to take our first sponsorship break, Brad. When we come back, I'm going to ask you to explain a little bit about the firm, sort of from your perspective, what makes your firm different than others who are in the same space. So, ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned. Brad Hall, Managing Director for Hall & Company, will be back to answer that question as well as several other that we've developed for him today here on Critical Mass Radio Show. So stay tuned. We're just going to step away for a brief time out with one of our sponsors. My company made the switch to Commerce National Bank about six months ago. Our relationship officer was there every step of the way to make the transition as seamless as possible. We had an early hiccup with a deposit scanner, but they dropped everything and drove right to our offices to help. We couldn't feel better about our decision to switch. Instead of calling an 800 number and navigating through automated menus, now I call my Commerce National Bank relationship officer directly for any questions we have. Just knowing that they're so easily accessible and willing to help really puts me at ease. They offer the same technology as the big banks, but deliver it with superior service and training. They're also rated a full five stars by Bauer Financial. So if your organization is a small or medium-sized business in Orange County, you should make the switch, too. Call Mary Miller, Senior Vice President, at 949-870-3863 or visit them online at www.commercenatbank.com. That's commercenatbank.com. Give Commerce National a chance to do better than your bank, and they'll handle the rest. It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. And at the end of the day, the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. So United Way is asking you to make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Be a reader. Tutor or mentor. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge now at liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Critical Mass Radio Show. As I said, I am your host, Rick Franzi. This radio program is one in a series of radio shows 
that we do here on Internet Radio Station, octalkradio.net. On Wednesdays, we are a show featuring Orange County nonprofit organizations and their executive directors. On Thursday at 3 p.m., our nationally syndicated show, Critical Mass, Coast to Coast, features small and mid-market business leaders from across the country. As I said, all shows can be heard live here on Internet Radio Station, octalkradio.net, or they can be rebroadcast anytime from Apple iTunes, Stitcher, and other podcasting services. As well as all of our shows can be found from our website, www.criticalmass4business.com. All right, let's return to our guest, Brad Hall. Brad, before the break, I ask you if you'd be prepared to talk a little bit about what makes your firm different. If you could share that with our audience, I would appreciate it. Sure, Rick. Uh, basically, what I think makes us different, there's a, you know, a lot of CP firms now that have, have gone out into financial planning and insurance and, and several other areas, uh, not of which is the core, you know, the core business. And we've, uh, we, what I determined uh, a long time ago is that I wanted to, to, to make sure and stay focused and always be independent um, and never take commissions. Uh, never get involved with with tax shelter uh, tax shelters. So we've always been able to advise clients on the best course of action, whether or not it is um, if they're acquiring or, or discussing with their financial advisor on uh, certain securities to buy or bonds. Uh, we 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 we've been we've been able to stay independent um, all these years. And that must mean that you have to really be focused then on delivering the best service that you can in the areas that you believe are the core of what you do in your firm. Right. All right. Let's ask you about your guiding principle. In other words, you know, what is it that is your overarching belief, Brad, about leading and growing your CPA firm that has allowed you to be successful over these many years? Well, it's, you know, it's a combination of, um, you know, extremely uh, being dependable and, and accountable to our, to our clients um, and uh, basically always doing the right thing um, and trying to convince the clients to do the right thing. So there's, there's a, um, you know, an appetite out there, um, you know, pretty much with, with uh, most, they'd like not to have to report or they'd like to to stretch the limit, and we try and convince them that they always want to do what's right. So that's that's what we've been able to continue to uh, impress upon our clients, and and we grow, uh, you know, fifteen twenty percent per year new clients because of that. You know, that sounds maybe simple on the surface, working with your clients to do the right thing. But I, I, I think I can appreciate in your area of expertise and responsibility, there may also be some gray area where your advice and counsel is really critical to helping maybe longer term keep your clients out of trouble. Right. And so I, I don't know that it's as on the surface as it is as simple as it sounds on the surface when you're actually in the practice of being that trusted advisor for your clients. It's, 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 you're right. There's a lot of gray, especially in, in tax, tax law, Rick. Um, and so we have to traverse that, you know, that slope, uh, and it's extremely slippery at times. You know, it, it's, it's, um, 
is a challenge as well. You know, I, I found that the guiding principle gets tested most when um, the client has a different opinion. And, you know, at the end of the day, you want to, the client isn't always right, but you have to make sure that you don't lose the relationship necessarily over your advice and counsel. And so uh, I can only imagine there have been times when that guiding principle has been tested. And, and I appreciate the fact that you've been able to stay fast to it, and I'm sure your clients who've been with you for the long term uh, value that as well. Let's change our focus a little bit. We're sort of in the political season here uh, today with Critical Mass Radio Show, you could say. And, and, and in preparing for the radio show, I, I was struck by your ability to talk about a number of things that would help business leaders you know, make better decisions, which is why we do the radio program. One of them was in the area of the Affordable Care Act. And, you know, what CEOs and business owners kind of need to understand about implementing it. We're on the cusp of a new year. It's just a few weeks slash month and a half away. So, Brett, Brad, from your perspective, could you share with our audience sort of what, what you're talking to clients about as a trusted advisor as it relates to being prepared for implementing the Affordable Care Act? Well, the, 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 the biggest issue that I see with the, uh, the uh, Obamacare, a.k.a. Affordable Care Act, is the, uh, the addition of the uh, surtax on investment income, the 3.8%, uh, that's going to affect uh, households, you know, 200,000 200, of AGI for singles and 250 for, for joint filers. I think that uh, that's that's huge, and you you couple that with the expiration of the Bush tax cuts. Uh, you know, I see. You know, it's you know next year. You know, just you know uh, less than two months away. Uh, you know, a huge increase in you know capital gains rates, your dividend rates, and and you know uh, just just uh, basic income uh, coupled with that three point eight surtax. We're in a very uncertain times, and. In the work that I do with small business owners, my perspective is it's got to get, there has to be more certainty, or maybe turn it the other way, I predict there's less uncertainty next year than what we're facing into this year because there, there are just some things that are going to happen. The election, the fiscal cliff, and just some other things that are, we replace the uncertainty with the known, which in my experience, business owners, CEOs, can deal much more effectively with even bad news than the uncertainty of not being sure what what the news will be. Is that your experience, Brad? It, it is. It, it is my experience. I mean, I would say that you know most CEOs today, um, unfortunately, are extremely pessimistic. Um, very few are, are are the are in an optimistic uh, uh, mindset, um, and the thought of you know, uh, dividend rates going from 15% to 43.4 um, just doesn't thrill, thrill thrill them. And that doesn't include, you know, California tax. Yes, we are a show that's beaming from Southern California, and most of our listening audience are in Orange County or at least in Southern California, so they are affected by the state tax as well. You know, we're going to take another break. Uh, when we come back, I'm going to ask Brad for you to Talk to us about a challenge that's currently facing Hall & Company. And if you could explain the challenge and maybe the ideas that you and your team are uh, considering or maybe have already implemented in order to mitigate that challenge from having any lasting or long-term effect on the firm. 
Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back with Brad Hall to talk about that point and some others here on Critical Mass, the radio show. But we are going to have a time off for one of our sponsors. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.sbnonline.com. This is the sound of a flat-screen television hurled off a building. Now the new bike your kid wants. These are the things you could have all cast into oblivion. Because when you throw away money on wasted electricity, you throw away everything you could have bought with it. Use Energy Star light bulbs and appliances, and you could save hundreds of dollars a year. Saving energy saves you money. Learn more at energysavers.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. If you've not had a chance to see our latest media platform, Critical Mass TV, then I would encourage you to consider watching an episode. They're all available through our website, www.criticalmass4business.com. And on Critical Mass TV, we're interviewing some of the most interesting business executives here in Orange County. Speaking of an interesting business executive here in Orange County, we'll return to Brad Hall of Hall & Company. Brad, before the break, we suggested that it would be interesting for you to share a current challenge facing the firm. Would you be so kind? Well, sure. I think, uh, Rick, the, you know, the biggest challenge we have is that we've, we've got a substantial uh, number of our clients that uh, are businesses, because uh, we represent about 1,100 businesses here, and they are, are faced with challenge increased regulations that are, you know, basically uh, uh, it's a real challenge for them to keep the lights on. Um, and now with, you know, the, the new, new rules going into effect about mandatory uh, health insurance coverage, uh, along with the increase in taxes for them, um, a lot of them are struggling. And you know we're we're you know there to to try and help them survive through this through this recession and it's it has been a real challenge for us rick i can imagine um i, I i'm in the same position working with small and mid-market business owners and it seems to me that the smaller the firm the more dramatic uh, a downturn in demand can be on them larger firms uh, have a little more resilience, I think, to my experiences to respond to it. But smaller firms, you know, under a couple million dollars a year, I'll tell you, it doesn't take a lot of top-line uh, degradation, you know, sh- slowdown in the top line to really put tremendous pressure on their income statement and really compelling them to have to make uh, adjustments just in some ways for the survival of the business, not just their life, retaining their lifestyle. It's really protecting and the business's ability to make it through those tougher times. Well, yeah, and then you couple that with banks tightening up their their credit, uh, their you know their credit uh, for the business. 
that uh, takes away their you know working capital and uh, businesses working capital and they're really struggling and so we try and continue to keep them focused on uh, becoming more efficient bringing in uh, more customers to become more diversified uh, nobody wants to raise prices um, but they've they've had huge increases in in the cost to operate um, and you know something eventually is going to give yeah it's been my experience too that many times a home equity line of credit has been a lifesaver historically for smaller entrepreneurs and business owners who use that almost as their line of credit you know their equity line of credit and so this recession also took that flexibility away from them by you know basically erasing for many of them their equity line of credit as well so their their degrees of freedom to be able to weather difficult times were even more severely limited i think in this recession than any that i've seen previous to to what has been now called the great recession but the worst i've seen um, in my 35 years in public accounting and hopefully it will be the worst we ever see in our professional career I, I, I share that. I, I hope it is. I, I just I'm hoping for, you know, 2013 to be you know a start of a, a good year, where you know companies uh, don't you know no, can be taken off of life life support. Well, let's talk about that then. That's a perfect segue, Brad. To ask you about how you see 2013 as it relates to where do you see the opportunities of growth for Holland Company in the coming year. Well, our, our growth um, has pretty much been word of mouth um, up to this point. I think uh, 2013, um, we've determined that we're going to uh, uh, try and uh, acquire maybe two or three uh, smaller CPA firms. Um, and that is not necessarily just to bring in the clients uh, that they have, but to bring in the, the talent as well, because there's just been such an incredible talent shortage, even um, even though, you know, unemployment rates are, are high for, for, you know, good top CPAs, it's, 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 a, it's, a, diff, it's a real challenge to, to, uh, to, uh, uh, to bring in uh, top talent. You know, that's, that's almost the universal across most industries, which you would think during this time of high unemployment that the uh, available talent pool would be just very deep. But uh, I've heard from a number of CEOs and business leaders, managing partners of companies, that if you're looking for a very specific high-caliber talent, there's still a, a great challenge in finding those people, especially when those CEOs, as you do, I know, from a managing partner's perspective, care a lot about cultural fit for the hire, where you're not just hiring for the skills, you're also hiring the person who will fit into your organization and into your culture of your firm. I know in meeting with you and talking to you, your firm's culture is something that you as the leader of it are very focused on and it's very important to you. It, it is, and, and you're right. Getting a, a nice, perfect fit um, is difficult, uh, so you'll go through three, four, five interviews uh, but most importantly, it doesn't matter what package you can you can have the the best package in the world. They, they just people are afraid to leave their current employers, no matter what, for an unknown. Yeah, it's tough to be the person that's the newest hire in a in this uncertain times because if you know 
it puts it may make you appear to be more vulnerable than if you stay where you are, where you have more length of service and time with the company. Yeah, it's safety, safe, security. Safety is in the secure place where they know exactly what day to day looks like instead of venturing out, even if there's much greater opportunity. But you know, I've seen um, reports on employee sentiment that says when it does when the pendulum does swing the other way and the and the job market is more stable and opportunities are more plentiful there there could be a very high turnover in employees because of sort of what they've been through relative to this recession and in many cases they've projected some of the difficult times on their direct employer so i also though worry brad that at some point we may have a real churning going through the uh, employees of various companies who are looking to just make a change to make a change because you know they went through such a tough time at their current employer that they'd rather not stay there which is why i was fascinated by how much and how important for you culture and building that esprit de corps if you will within hauling company is for you and how you've differentiated your firm in the marketplace as well well, you know, the problem, one of the problems is the, gener- the new generation. These new generations don't, I mean, they, the thought of being, at, you know, their first employer out of college for, you know, 10, 15 years is, is, is Greek to them. I mean, they just have no interest whatsoever in thinking beyond a year or a year and a half. And, and that's really tough for people like myself that, you know, you know, I, I, you know one of my employees has been here close to 20 years. And I, I really look forward to having people stay, you know, for 10 to 15, 20 years. If, if it's the right people in the right culture, you get such an efficiency. Companies can have such an efficiency by having that stability in their workforce. I, I agree with you. And, and, and again, I think that is a, uh, an interesting phenomenon to watch how over years this those the younger workforce either learns to stabilize their employment or if it's hard to imagine but maybe it's the case with this generation that every few years they're going to be looking for the next opportunity and um, you know having been through my career it's kind of nice from an employee's perspective to be able to put down roots and spend five or seven or ten years at a firm as well it's it's sort of comforting from that perspective as well. Well, then that's exactly what you'd like to see in every applicant is that they've had, you know, one job the last 10 years, but instead, you know, out of school, they'll have, you know, three or four jobs over a four or five year period. And that's almost the, the norm, Rick, and it's, it's unfortunately very, very uh, disappointing. Yes, it is. Um, if someone would like to learn more about your firm, how do they find you online, Brett? Uh, they can uh, visit our website, which is hallcpas.com, and that's H-A-L-L-C-P-A-S.com. I've appreciated the time you spent with us here on Critical Mass Radio Show today. Thanks for being a friend of the program. Welcome to the Critical Mass business community. Continued success, and I look forward to having you on the show in the future, Brad. Thank you very much, Rick. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Brad Hall, ladies and gentlemen, managing director, partner with Hall & Company. We're going to take a short time out, spend just a little bit of time with one of our sponsors, and then I'll be back.
My company made the switch to Commerce National Bank about six months ago. Our relationship officer was there every step of the way to make the transition as seamless as possible. We had an early hiccup with a deposit scanner, but they dropped everything and drove right to our offices to help. We couldn't feel better about our decision to switch. Instead of calling an 800 number and navigating through automated menus, now I call my Commerce National Bank relationship officer directly for any questions we have. Just knowing that they're so easily accessible and willing to help really puts me at ease. They offer the same technology as the big banks, but deliver it with superior service and training. They're also rated a full five stars by Bauer Financial. So if your organization is a small or medium-sized business in Orange County, you should make the switch too. Call Mary Miller, Senior Vice President, at 949-870-3863 or visit them online at www.commercenatbank.com. That's commercenatbank.com. Give Commerce National a chance to do better than your bank, and they'll handle the rest. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.sbnonline.com. Welcome back to Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi, and it's currently 19 to 3. Yes, it sounds like a football score, doesn't it, 19 to 3? But uh, it is 4.31 p.m. here on the West Coast on Tuesday, November the 6th, 2012, which, for those of you here in the United States, you know that was or is, if you're listening to us live, Election Day. And I certainly hope that as many of you as possible had the opportunity to visit your polling booth or get a ballot and you know, fill it in in advance, absentee, pre-election, whatever they call it in your state, but you have taken the opportunity to vote. You know, I was reflecting this morning and on my blog that I posted this morning, um, so many people over the years and centuries have died in for the idea of being able to have some level of voice and determination in who their leaders were. Unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know if your perspective that we've come to take that right here for granted in some with some people in our country, and it, it's a shame. But I see that my producer wants to bring his voice onto the show, so we should allow him to do that. I'm from the Midwest. I'm from. I grew up in you know around Chicago, so I believe in the old axiom: vote early, vote often. Well, there you go. <laughs> you must be from Chicago. But I'm not being political here because um, I don't have you know we don't do that here <laughs> on Critical Mass. But for all Americans, it is in all of our best interests to exercise our right to vote. It really is very easy to do, and um, uh, hopefully as many of you as possible have done that. If you're listening to us in a time zone where the uh, polls have closed, then hopefully you've done that. If you're here on the West Coast or in the Midwest, maybe the polls are still open. Maybe we've motivated you to go out and vote, and I guess in Paul's world, if you voted, go back and try and vote again. (laughs) And I just want to say from my perspective, what I hope is whoever wins, this is going to be a historically close election, they think. Whoever wins, Really, let's work with them. 
let, let's try and compromise here. I, I, I don't know when compromise became a dirty word. Our whole system is set up be, to set up checks and balances and to create compromise. That isn't, that isn't a bad thing. That's what the founders intended. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> vote early, vote often. <laughs> if you don't believe that, then vote early, vote often. <laughs> it's a great day. It, it, it's, um, in the election cycle, it's my second favorite day in the politics. My, actually, my favorite day is Inauguration Day when there's a changing of the president. Right. Only because it's amazing to see that what some people believe to be the most powerful position in the world can be transferred between parties, between people, with no bloodshed. Yeah, right. It's amazing. They, they like each other on the surface. Uh, it's safe. There's no worry about each other doing harm to one another. It is a wonderful thing that we have this in our country. Uh, the image I always had as a little kid is watching, I'm, I'm going to date myself now here, Eisenhower, this grandfatherly figure who won World War II, handing over power to the young, handsome John F. Kennedy. And the reason I remember that is Eisenhower was the last U.S. president to wear a top hat to the inauguration. Presidents wore top hats for 100 years, and he was the last one to wear a big top hat. And, of course, JFK wore no hat because he was young and modern and hip. And uh, that said it all, the transfer of two generational things there. We should bring the top hat back. We should bring the top hat back, I think. Wouldn't, wouldn't Obama or Romney look sharp in a top hat? I tell you, I wish I could wear hats. I cannot wear hats. If I could wear hats, I'd wear them. We have one member, Mike Haney. The guy looks great in hats. Yeah. He puts a hat on. It's just like, man, my wife looks good in hats. Me, I look like a doofus. I, <laughs> I think they're cool. I think wearing a hat's classy. Man. I think so. Well, anyway, I just yeah. throw that in for a little perspective here. There was a time when, when politicians wore top hats and, and tails to, to their inauguration. Yeah, and smoked pipes. and yeah. Had beards. Well, Had beards, right. Let's let's hope that um, tonight. I, I my hope is we have a decision tonight, and this doesn't extend on to what we've seen in past. Elections. I fear it's going to be so close that whoever loses is going to be grumpy and in no mood to compromise because they're going to say, "Gee, if we'd only done this, we could have be, we could have won. We could be sitting there." And that may prolong this this gridlock that's driving the nation crazy here and driving our debt. A crisis and driving our credit rating and driving all these things. We can't seem to compromise on anything. Yeah, I, you know, I, you've got to be a gracious winner and you have to be a gracious loser. Yeah. And it, and from from all that I've seen, I don't think there's much voter fraud. It's not no. very negligible in this country. It's not determinant of anything. Let's just hope there's enough votes one way or the other that tonight, at some point, there can be an acceptance that there's a clear winner and a clear loser. Yeah, the last thing we need is another Gore versus Bush that dragged on for months through the courts. I think that did more damage than it did good, that whole process. I mean, it was amazing we could go through it, and, and people didn't take to the streets, and there wasn't armed revolution, but, you know, that was, that was, a, that was a sorry example of, uh, I don't know whether it was indecision or, or, or the opposite, just, you know, each court followed, followed its own political preference. Here. The, the Florida court, which was made up of mostly Democrats, uh, ruled in Gore's favor, and the Supreme Court, which was, uh, had a majority of Republican appointees, voted in Bush's favor. I wish somebody had broken ranks and, 
and been bold enough to come out and say what they really believed and not what they were expected to vote. And if people in this state of California don't believe that their vote on a national level makes much of a difference because of what the perception is of how California is going to end up, which party it's going to support, especially here in Orange County, there are some really important... Terribly important measures and races. Well, that's what we were talking about. You and I were tweeting back and forth here. I remember in 1980 when Carter uh, lost the election to Reagan, which up until the election was projected to be pretty darn close, and then it became a runaway, and it was clear Reagan was going to win. And the national media announced it before the polls closed. They announced it like 5 o'clock California time. And... A lot of people just turned around and went home, said the heck with them, I'm not going to vote. And the howl went up because there were a lot of important issues, as there always are on the ballot. Further down the ballot, other people could have benefited from certain votes, and people just gave up and went home because the main attraction was over. So, you know, there are a lot of, and in many ways, arguably more, have more impact in your life, what happens in the local water district, what happens to your local tax rate, what happens to your local school district, than it does on the national level. Right. I think it's all politics are local. It's important. And right. hopefully people have read the initiatives, know which local candidates have the value systems that they have and are going to do things in their best interests and get out and exercise the right to vote. Because you talk about close elections. Some of these local candidates, oh, the differences between... handful of votes, and, five people, 50 people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It can be really... I mean, it's really important. And, and from what I've learned... These local politicians spend an inordinate amount of money to get these flunk, not flunky, but these low-paying, no-paying jobs. Yeah, no-paying jobs, and they're paying fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars to win these jobs. It's crazy. Well, and the other thing that that people don't think about, it's I've never quite understood. Americans have one of the lowest voter turnouts in the world. Uh, we did a couple shows early this year on uh, Jim Schmidt's um, uh, open mic program, and we had. Um, um, I forgot his last, I forgot his first name. I think it's Neil. Neil Kelly is the Orange County um, registrar. He's in charge of running our elections, among other things. And we talked at great length about the precautions they've put in place here and other places since the critical 2000 election and the hanging charge and how they've changed it. We now do electronic voting, et cetera, et cetera. And yet it still surprises me that less than 50%, less than 50% of Americans vote. People lived and died for this right. People would give their eye tooth in other parts of the world for a chance to just voice their opinion and be heard. And half the Americans say, "Eh, eh, doesn't matter. It does matter." Yeah, I'd like to believe that if more people, if a higher percentage of people voted, would have, uh, I don't know, more representative government. But then I wonder. Maybe we're better off with some of the people not voting. Yeah, right. <laughs> that, that, that's the elitist argument. Do you really want some some guy down in the down in the Bowery who's got a bottle and he's just going to roll over and vote for whoever somebody? You know, there's certainly certainly some of the people who don't vote. I guess probably we're glad they don't vote. But at the same time, we don't get full representation without it. And I've always this is my own personal crusade. I don't think either party really wants to see large turnout. Because they can't control it. I've worked on political campaigns. You want to have a small, manageable group of people that you know are fired up and that you can literally go pick up and take to the polls. Um, And that's what both parties are focusing on, their ground game. But when you have these wide-open elections, kind of like what happened with Obama, where suddenly people, young people showed up and minorities showed up, all these people who historically never voted or cared, it, it, it was hard to control that. It's hard to predict that. Score, 33 
the three. Yeah, but you're looking at all the little states. There's about six or seven key states, none of which they'll really, I don't think, call until 8 o'clock tonight. Given what happened in 1980 when they called the race too early, the, I don't know if it's a law now or just a gentleman's agreement, but they, the networks refused to call the election before 8 o'clock. So at 8 o'clock tonight, Pacific time, you will hear a flurry of predictions, and the key ones will be those swing Midwestern states, Wisconsin, Ohio, maybe Pennsylvania, and uh, a couple other ones, Iowa, Colorado, Florida, Virginia. That's gonna, and it, everybody Four says eight. it's going to be one. 33-3. I'm just yeah, telling well. you. <laughs> it's all the little states. If it were a football game and it was the end of the first quarter, I think we'd be going, holy hell, what happened? Oh, we got the field goal. We got Vermont? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> we got We got them. As Vermont goes, so goes Maine. <laughs> oh, well, we got Maine. Yeah, Maine. Now we, we built a firewall there. Of course, then we, we could get in. Up there. And if it is close again, we're going to revive this argument that I still don't have a good answer for. Why the heck we have this electoral college anyway? I have no clue. All I want to say is scoreboard, baby, and we'll see how the night ends up. This is historic. All right. This is a podcast. I'd be surprised since you already know the outcome of the election. We do not. Yeah. And I and, and I wonder if it really will be that close, or with or, or will they break one way or the other? The Republican model is based on the idea that the that in a close election, the independents always break towards the challenger, um, and that's their historical precedent. Um, on the other side, um, the, in the key battleground states, Obama's been a, consistently ahead by a point or two or more, a couple points, in all the recent polls. So both sides are predicting that it's, this isn't going to be close and that one of the, each of them see a path to 300. You need 270 to get elected. Um, I, however, am not so sure. I think you're going to see some crazy things tonight. See if I'm right or wrong. I think it's going to be able to be called tonight. I don't. I don't think it's end up. I don't think it'll be that close. I think it will be. There will be a clear winner. There will always be grumblings, but I think the margin of difference will be large enough that we won't have to wait for these. There things. is supposedly uh, an army of lawyers employed, employed by both sides that are being yeah. spread among all these, as they call them, swing states. These close states. These key states, and they're all just waiting to find some instance of somebody doing some shenanigans here it won't happen it'll be a clean and and you may not agree with the outcome but i think it's going to be tomorrow morning when people wake up in different time zones and they see the results i think it's going to be clear that there was a winner and the country will move forward uh, as it always does yep. uh, after the election which is the beauty of the country so this is you know rick franzi saying i'd like to thank my producer for today paul Sometimes co-host <laughs> Paul, sometimes grumpy Roberts here. <laughs> our uh, marketing coordinator, Kelly Faltis, and our scheduler, uh, Kathleen Shepard. We uh, have enjoyed doing the show for the past three-plus years. We'll have be celebrating our four-year anniversary next March, so watch out for that. Big parties planned, and we've got some exciting things planned for, uh, for Critical Mass Radio Show next year. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, and until the next time we have a chance to talk, here's hoping that all of your decisions... Move your business in a positive direction, and get out and vote. I was giving you time. I was giving you time to put that little last uh, last plug in there. If you can't vote, you can't complain. That's that's what my that's father right. always said. Shut up, then. If you didn't vote, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Thank you.
As always, you've been listening to the only show that talks to businesses just like yours to find out what you can learn from the experiences of others. Critical Mass, right here on octalkradio.net.